on today's show. Finally, finally, some good news as Fernando Tatis Jr. and Hassam Kim announced as gold glove winners, breaking down the announcement, talking about how great they were and how this was one of the few bright spots in an otherwise pretty disastrous Padres season. Let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres Podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, November 6th. Sixth, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you want only Padres-related thoughts. Quiet account lately because, I don't know if you guys didn't notice, but uh, it's the offseason. What can I say? Um, also, go check out the YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube to see whatever I'm rocking. Same black shirt or whatever. I uh, got the Tatis bobblehead, got Pac-Man. I know everybody likes YouTube, so go check that out, posting the show on there. And going to start doing more live shows on there just so people can send me uh, questions. So I think maybe when, um, uh, presumptively, Blake Snell gets announced for the National League Cy Young, I might do a live show there. So just subscribe to the channel. That way you know when we go live. Um, and go check that out for sure. And hey, I also got my, my water bottle back that I used to display on the show all the time. That I used to drink the Dodger fan tears in. Uh, so that's back as well, guys. But today's episode, most importantly, out of all those weird introduction things I just mentioned, is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150, man. Pretty good. If your team wins... Visit Fandle.com slash LockedOn to get started. And to get started with today's episode, we must waste no more time. Because, folks, it is a day of celebration. To start off your Monday, which is the best part. For those, you know, maybe you're trucking along. Maybe maybe you got a night shift going on. And, you know, you're putting the radio dial, turning it up to 108 FM. Or you're, you're putting it Sirius XM, maybe. We love Sirius XM. And you're saying, you know... I need something to get me through the day. Well, you know what? Fernando Tatis Jr. and Hassan Kim were announced as gold glove winners yesterday. And it is, while expected, still very, very cool. And I think that there's a lot to talk about with this. And while I did do player reviews that I recommend everyone go check out uh, for both Tatis and Hassan Kim already, why not? Let's run it back. Because to an extent, I think that both of these guys like were some of the bright spots for the team this year. And it's not just because Tatis was back that he was a bright spot. Tatis, who we're going to talk about first, um, Tatis was just, it, it can't be emphasized enough, the, the crazy change that it is from going from shortstop to the outfield. And just because someone's super athletic and someone has all those peripherals and intangibles that you usually associate with being a good defender, doesn't mean that they're going to be a good defender. Um, that's just, we've seen it happen a lot. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. is super fast, stole 70 bases this year, hits for a lot of power. He's a good base runner to a degree, and he's a terrible outfielder. If you go by outs above average, for example, like he makes a lot of mistakes and that's really annoying. But with Fernando Tatis Jr., on top of how many people he threw out this year, on top of the fact that he could get to balls quickly, he made some really nice diving catches. Um, it was really unexpected. This tweet coming from Sarah Langs, actually, um, at, at Slangs on Sports. I always mess up with her at handle. Fernando Tatis Jr. had 40 
had 24 career games in the outfield, entering 2023, which is the fourth fewest entering that season at gold glove winning position for a non-rookie, excluding pitchers, plus considering outfielders there's one position. Behind 2022 Ramon Arias at third base, 1999 Pokey Reese, and 2023 this year, Gabriel Moreno. Shouts to the playoff hero over at Arizona. Shouts to my guy Miller Thomas. Go check out his podcast as well, Locked on D-backs. Um, so basically... To sum it up, this doesn't happen very often where a guy like just immediately is great in another position. And, you know, you might be thinking, oh, well, you know, it's maybe he played there before. No, it's, he's been a shortstop like the entire time. And I actually personally think that Tatis's defense was over hated while he was at shortstop. I actually don't think that he was all that bad when he was there. He wasn't great. He had a lot of throwing errors, which told me that. There was just a little bit of a lack of focus there because he had all the arm strength and he had all the the range in the world. But he made a lot of throwing errors, which was his problem. But for example, if you go back when he played in 2021, yeah, minus six defensive runs saved isn't great, but two outs above average shows you that he did have the range a little bit, I think. If you go by ultimate zone rating as well, he was okay, not great. But I thought that he could be good. And if you looked at 2020, he was seven outs above average as well. Uh, so like he's had, I think, decent success there. I wasn't against... You know, not too long ago, the idea of putting Tatis back at shortstop, that was the position he was most comfortable with. That is how they called him up. And instead, they bring him up this year, and he leads Major League Baseball in defensive runs saved. A lot of that for the amount of guys he threw out, which I think might be, uh, with the outfield assist, might have inflated the defensive runs saved just a little bit. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that he can't still do that next year. But maybe next year, less runners will try and run on him because they know. Oh, crap. Yeah, that guy transitioned to the right field uh, pretty well, so we can't do that anymore, right? So, shouts to him, man. And I remember early on this season, um, you know, rip to Bob Belvitt's tenure in San Diego. But when he was here, I remember there was an interview in a Tribune where, like, they talked about, like, his eyes lit up when talking about Tatis and saying, like, the guy has just been a yes dude. He does everything we ask him to do and more. He doesn't complain or anything. It sounds like he really redeemed himself this year. Uh, in a lot of ways. And they said, yeah, like I would tell him, hey, we're going to bet you fourth tonight. He'd be like, no problem. I'm going to try you out. No problem. No problem. Whatever you want to do. Like just showing you like, and I've said this before on the show before. Don't get me wrong. I, I have complained about Tatis. I think he was a bit of a goober. But I didn't think that he, I've talked about this too. I don't think he deserved the vitriol that he got. I often find it a little bit weird that sports fans choose this as an area to really get mad at athletes and boo him for every single ballpark. But the other stuff that players sometimes do, that doesn't get them booed at every ballpark. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even talking about players on players and peers. And there's all sorts of politics you get into with criticizing your peers. And you don't want to be that guy who's crapping on other players in the sport necessarily. I, I get it. It can be uncomfortable. But, like, fans is where I'm always like, so y'all will boo Tatis at every ballpark. But then, like, I never see Domingo Herman get booed everywhere. Marcelo Zuna, just to name a few. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit weird. And I'm not making all casting judgments on those guys. I'm just saying it's a little weird that that doesn't happen, you know, in sports. I think that says a lot about us, about people. But anyway, I think that considering all of that, for him to still go out and be electric defensively and do everything that this team needed is great. And also, while Tatis was certainly not bad this year by any, by any stretch, he was actually quite good and literally fit what my projections were in terms of just his total um, F4 amount. Uh, finishing the year with a 4.4 mark, which is pretty good, he did take a step back in some areas, right? Like, he didn't slug all that great as usual. 449 slugging was way below his career of 543. Sure, he hit 25 home runs and still tw stole 29 bases, by the way, which was a career high, but he didn't hit for as much power. 257 batting average, 322 on base, 
wasn't the best. 113 WRC plus is significantly lower than the 158 and the two 151s he put in 2020 and 2019 respectively. Like it wasn't as great there, but he did redeem it a lot with his defense. And don't get me wrong, I think that he got a little bit unlucky if you look at weighted on base versus expected weighted on base. He had like a 30 point difference, which shows you a little bit of how he might have gotten unlucky, especially with the the extra base stuff with home runs potentially this year. But just in general, like that really helped him put together a really great season. On top of the fact that, you know, we talked about this in the player review, he wasn't that bad with earners in scoring position as much as the rest of the players on the team. He didn't get significantly worse like a, a Grisham or a Bogarts or a Manny uh, did. Um, so he was just a solid player overall, especially coming off the injury and the suspension and all that stuff. Like, he, it cannot be praised enough, and he was great. I mentioned the Langs thing, and I tweeted a while ago that, you know, this was expected. Uh, the other nominees for right field were Mookie Betts and Lane Thomas, but in terms of defensive runs saved, Tatis killed them with 29 versus Betts with 3, Thomas with 0, and outs above average, Tatis had 11, and then negative 1 for Mookie Betts and negative 3 for Lane Thomas. Like, it wasn't even close. Uh, really, it really wasn't even close, close, uh, who was going to win this gold glove on top of the fact that he was popular, which does play, unfortunately, a big part in the gold glove winners, right? That happens all the time. And on top of having the numbers, having some of the highlight plays that circulate on social media and become a conversation, um, the fact that he transitioned so much and that became a story, um, that it, it helped out also that he was also a popular player. So Unfortunately, that does play a big part in the gold glove, which sometimes takes it away from other players. We're going to talk about players that got um, gold gloves taken away in just a minute, actually. But uh, Tatis, congratulations. Amazing, amazing accomplishment. Cannot be emphasized enough that this was not a given, man. Hadn't played there before. You know, like this is not a given. And he succeeded. And it is, in my opinion, like truly one of the best things overall that happened this season. I think him, I think Kim, and then Snell are probably the three things that were man. And the Campy's auto hive, of course. But that was that was a lock. We all knew that was going to happen. You guys listen to my podcast. The Campy hive was too powerful to be kept down forever. But uh, guys, before we talk about that second guy, Hassan Kim, we got to take a quick break and talk about the people we already mentioned. The folks over at FanDuel. And look, if you want to make a bet on who's going to win the gold glove next year, I bet you they can help you out there. But unfortunately, we're not in a baseball season anymore. So we're going to be talking about a little bit of the old football. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Pretty cool, right? That's right. That's $150 if your team wins. That's all you need, man. You want to pick the right team? Maybe pick the Bengals last night like a smart person would because Joe Burr is back. And thankfully back for my fantasy team, then congratulations. They help you out with that. It's really great. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the actions. And also, it's not just money line stuff. Don't worry. All sorts of things. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, total touchdowns, uh, total yardage, total rushing yardage, total um, they might have like a they have like those fun little things where it's like 20 plus yard receptions. Hey, you know who should bet on that every week? Go do um I don't know, Jamar Chase or something, because that guy is just like guaranteed for a big play like every game seemingly, uh, among many, many others. So go check that out, guys. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season betting with a bang. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember, go check us out on SiriusXM, the YouTube, the at LO underscore Padres, my account, whatever you want to do, go check that out. Let's now talk about Hassan Kim. Hassan Kim, the legend himself. And look, he's been nominated before. Um, he's been nominated before for a gold glove. And it was actually a couple, was it last year? It was actually last year when he was nominated for shortstop. And I believe it actually ended up going to Dansby Swanson if I'm not mistaken, but uh, Hassan Kim gets it this year, and it's really, really exciting, and I'm so happy about it. In the utility area, I'm um, reading from MLB.com actually right now, Kim was once again the model of infield versatility for San Diego this season, seeing time at second base, third, and shortstop, though he apparent, I'm sorry, though he appeared mostly at second base, he combined for 16 defensive runs saved, 10 at second, and three at each Three each at third and short. I can't read. My apologies. His ten defensive runs at seven at second base. My God, uh, ranked behind only the co-leaders in the NL at the position: Nico Horner and Bryce Durang. Twelve each. I mean, what can I say? What can I say? Um, this has been Hassan Kim's calling card. It's not really all that like shocking, really. Which is why I saved him for the second segment because unlike Tatis. This is what he's done. He did this his rookie year when he wasn't even all that effective as a player. He did this. If you remember, Hassan Kim's first season, he was like remarkably good as a defensive player back in 2021 um, over at, what was it? What was he playing there? Shortstop, was it? Yeah, in terms of defensive runs saved, let me pull that up really, really quickly. Uh, In 2021, over at second base when he played there, he had five defensive runs saved and two outs above average. And then over at shortstop, he had nine defensive runs saved and one out above average. And the defensive runs saved, which is so interesting about him, it was in a small sample size, right? Like he didn't play as much his rookie year. It was a little bit on and off, especially with Tatis and all that. And he couldn't really hit just yet. 71 WRC plus that first year, not the best for him. But he was a consistent glove, which is why I loved uh, having him at shortstop as the starting shortstop for most of 2022 until they, once they realized, hey, you know what, CJ Abrams probably not ready yet, and we already spent on Hassan Kim, so how about we like see if he works and give him a chance to figure it out? Maybe you'll learn from that, Padres. Please give your players a chance. Say, look what happened, Luis Campi is out of this here. He's a beast. Um, so there's no real shock here, um, in, in the slightest, and I think that. The big question now is going to be, do they extend him? Do they bring him back in any way? And in my opinion, I don't think that that's going to happen because I just think that with all the financial stuff, with the whole Soto question, with the just in general free agent stuff, like and the, the Jay Cronenworth contract, like it's really rough. I personally wouldn't have extended either of them. I've said this many times on the podcast. I don't like extending utility players. I just think that that's not that I don't want them, but I don't feel a rush to extend them the way that they rush to extend Cronenworth because I just think that they provide, that's like a position that I'd rather play the casino odds that I can find someone else, maybe for just a year who can put up similar numbers. That's just me. I'd rather, you know, play at the blackjack table and say, let me take a chance on that rather than big time power hitters and MVP quality outfielders and super studs that give you value at a five tool player, stuff like that. Like your Tatis, your Machado, your Bryce Harper's, your, your um, Dansby Swanson's even, your, um, you know, Nolan Arenado's, whatever, like just to, to, to spread it out a little bit. That's, that's just me. Um, but that being said, Hassan Kim, man, let me tell you, if the Padres were really frisky and crazy, I could see a world in which they were like, let's sell high for once. And you know what? 
if we have to lose some of these players, since we're going to, and we have all this interesting farm, we have Xander Bogarts, whether fans like it or not, at shortstop probably for the foreseeable future, it would be kind of interesting if they explored trading him. I'm not saying I would want it, but I don't know, just the baseball nerd in me would be curious. Like, what would he fetch right now? Coming off a gold glove season, coming off the fact that he gets better every year at the plate, I'm just a little bit curious. And not to mention, I think that he got a little bit lucky with the home runs this year, a little bit. Um, but even still, like, I would just be curious. Like, I wonder what teams would offer. I'm not saying I would do it. I don't think you can do it because the fact that you're probably losing Soto, like, he alone, uh, if they'd end up trading him, which I think is a very real possibility this offseason with all the reports and the loan and the, the reduction in payroll. Like, I could see a world in which, like, Soto is the one that gets you all the value. And then it's like, all right, let's just keep Hassan Kim for one more year. Right, like he's going to be a utility beast and be very important for this team. So we'll see, we'll see. I'm just throwing it out there that if they want to sell high, worse ideas. Considering he's going to be a free agent and considering the Padres' financial questions. Um, but even there, I mean, he's just such a joy to watch. He's always smiling. Tatis and uh, not Tatis, Machado and him are like so always get along so well. And while there are moments every now and then where Kim, especially this year. He just had such a bad end to the season that was covered up by the fact that he was so good throughout the rest, increasing his on-base percentage, increasing the amount of pitches he saw per at-bat. I do think that his amazingness did overshadow the fact that he wasn't very good uh, towards the end of the season. If you guys might uh, forget, and this again, this doesn't have anything to do with defense, I know, but I'm just illustrating a point here. Um, in September and October, the guy had a 36 WRC+, plus, which significantly like drained his season down. The rest of the early on in the year, uh, first month, March and April, 79 WRC plus. Then May, 126, then 134 in June, 178 in July. That was awesome, by the way. <laughs> Can we talk about that? He slashed 337, 443, 551 in August, or in July. It was incredible. 112 in August, and then a 36 WRC plus uh, in September, October, which really dragged things down a lot for him. So it was just a mess of a month. Um, but in general... The guy is just a, be a beast. And the fact that he can play all these different positions, the fact that you got him and you've given him time and the fact that he's just always there, right? Like he just feels like he's always there for us. He's always smiling. I love the anecdote that Nick Martinez shared about how he talks crap in Spanish as a Puerto Rican lad. I very much appreciate this. Uh, it's just it's just amazing. I, I love that storyline so much. But yeah, um, there's not much else to really say with Hassan Kim, uh, if we're being honest. He could very well win a gold glove next year. Um, he was a nominee last year. I just think that with Kim, he's the type of player, not to use the the sort of older, like this is like dad talk. The dads love saying this, like a winning player. You know what I mean? Like that weird, vague, kind of somewhat arbitrary descriptor. Uh, a winning player is what uh, Asad Kim seems to be. And I couldn't be more happy for him. I love it. And I think that these two winning gold gloves, one is awesome and shows you how good the Padres were defensively this year, frankly, but then also is a little bit of a reminder that it's like, damn, we had two gold glove winners. We had Juan Soto <laughs> with like his 160 WRC plus, and we about to have a Cy Young winner and we only won 82 games. Like, yeah, it's a little bit of a painful reminder, but still we're trying to be positive. We're trying to celebrate the good and Hassan Kim and Fernando Tatis Jr. were very, very good this year, but that's not all. Ladies and gentlemen, that we'll be talking about. Before we wrap down this podcast, we got to take a quick break from our sponsors before we talk about someone who might have been robbed of a golden glove. Stay tuned.
And just like that, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Ooh, feeling good today. Feeling good. I'm just happy to talk about something positive for once. This doesn't happen very often. We had a loan scare. We had Bob Melvin leaving. <laughs> like, we just don't have anything positive anymore. And I'm just really excited about it. I want to talk about now, before we, we sort of wind down this show, Manny Machado. Um, because I know that some Padres fans might be a little bit puzzled as to why he didn't win a gold glove. Well, that's because Key Brian Hayes is a freak of nature, ladies and gentlemen. And at look, you guys know me. I don't like to be biased on this podcast all that much, despite the fact that sometimes that would help with engagement if I just became a crap poster and just hyped up every single Padres player, and then I insulted every player that was close to them and said, you're an idiot if you vote for them. That's not my style, usually. Every now and then I get a little bit... You know, the brain, it likes those numbers. What can I say? But in this case, yeah, um, a lot of people are saying, well, Manny Machado, like, how did he not win? Well, reading from MLB.com, third base winner, Key Brian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates. First of all, I'm always a fan of the fact that, and, and I alluded to this earlier with Tatis, name value plays such a role in these things historically. And I don't think that that's a good thing. Every now and then, I understand the arguments for, say, when older voters, they take into account the storyline and saying, hey, if it's really close in the Cy Young race, I want to give it to someone who was part of a winning team because it means that the starts mattered a little bit more. I don't totally disagree with that point of view. I don't. I disagree a little bit, but I don't totally object to that. But with the gold glove, sometimes it's like, hey, come on, this is like a really independent award. You can still, it's like giving Best Actor to Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. I don't know if people of this podcast like that movie or not. Or let's say people who didn't... Re- Andrew Garfield was a great Spider-Man, but those were bad movies, right? So I like it when we kind of separate the gold glove and in general awards. That's just me. And in this case, while the Pittsburgh Pirates were pretty bad, once again, they're perpetually rebuilding. For the first time in 11 years, reading from MLB.com, a third baseman not named Nolan Arenado has won the gold glove award at the hot corner in the National League. Hayes has some has been close before, but he finally broke through in 2023. The son of former major leaguer third baseman Charlie Hayes, who squeezed the final out of the 1996 World Series and had a 14-year big league career, Kibrian led all third basemen with 17 outs above average, 21 defensive runs saved, and a Statcast fielding run value of 13. He's the first Pirates third baseman to win the honor. I know what you might be thinking. I don't care about the numbers. He's Manny. And Manny, for the record, was very good defensively this year. And in some ways, if you were to go by the defensive of Saints, was actually a little bit cleaner this year. It's one of the things that kind of saved him. Um, I'm not saying he was bad in 2022. His, in my opinion, should have been MVP season. He had negative three defensive runs saved, but still an outs above average mark of eight. Again, it's hard to to explain the difference between those two sometimes, especially because it depends on, like, for outfielders, outs above average might be better. Right, Some would argue that, whatever. But this year, four defensive runs saved and 11 outs above average. He was in the top percentile of all players. But Cabrian Hayes is a freak. You gotta just, if you're a Padres fan right now, and you're like, this is unbelievable. Finally, when Nolan Arenado doesn't win the gold glove, the, the fraud, fraudlin, fraudinado, or whatever <laughs> that people are gonna say, of course it doesn't go to Manny Machado. They give it to some pirate. And I'd be like, look, I agree, but man... You got to watch this kid play some defense. This dude is Andleton Simmons on on, on drugs, man, like the, on, in the best way possible. So I don't want to say drugs. This is Andleton Simmons given a shot of electricity, 
given the Dragon Balls, given the Iron Man suit of armor, whatever pop culture analogy of a power-up you want to give, the, the Fire Flower from Mario, whatever you want to give. By the way, Super Mario Brothers movie, that end sequence with Donkey Kong is amazing. It's great animation. Um, that you got to just look up some highlights. I remember he made a play, I think it was against the Cardinals, in which he pulled like a Daisuke Matsuzaka with the way that his head like flipped back in order to make it. He was in the stands and just grabbed the wall and whipped it across to first base. Go look up Cabrian Hayes' highlights because if you do, you'll be like, you know what? I totally get it. And there were seasons that Manny Machado had like this, especially when he was younger. If you look back at Manny Machado's defensive run saved in 2013, he had 27, right? Like that just gives you an idea of what kind of company Cabrian Hayes is, right? He had, what was it? Um... 21 defensive runs saved. Manny Machado back in Baltimore had 27 one year. They didn't track as above average as much back then, but even still, like that just gives you an idea. Machado is still very good defensively, and he's still some of the best in baseball, and this doesn't take away from him. I think he's just unlucky that Nolan Arenado is is probably a future Hall of Famer, um, along with Manny as well, who will just, but Nolan will go down as just one of the great fielders ever. Like Scott Rowland, you know, is one of those players for the Phillies that got in, especially because he was a consistent defender, from what I've heard. Manny Machado, or I'm sorry, Nolan Arenado is one of those, right? Like he's won platinum gloves before. And Key Brian Hayes arguably should have won the year before, right? I already mentioned those numbers just now, but he had 24 defensive runs saved last year and 18 outs above average. He was literally better last year, but Nolan Arenado got it because he was good and because he had the name value, right? And this year, it's, it seems like. Voters caught up and they were like, you know what? You got to reward this guy. He's such a freak. Don't get me wrong. He has a lot to get better at, right? He's not a very good offensive player. He's got a one-on-one WRC plus this year. Not very good. Even Manny in a down year is infinitely better as a batter. This does not mean that he's a better player than Manny Machado. None of the gold gloves mean that, which is why I think that like we should consider and ignore the name value a little bit more because you don't want to be in this world where... Look, even the most biased of Padres fans would agree with me on this. Juan Soto is not a good defender, and him being nominated last year shows you what I mean about popularity and name value, and in my opinion, a lot of, frankly, older voters who are just looking at the name and, and then looking at these arbitrary standards and saying, oh, well, he gets he has a really good arm, you know, out there and all that stuff. And I'm like, I, the defensive front scene and outside of average seem to be a really good metric, and I'm not the best at fielding defense. I get that. I know that defense is a little bit harder to track and analyze because there aren't quite as many stats, and I just think that we're getting better at it, and that fielding percentage used to be the thing that we used to determine this, which is why Derek Cheater won so many gold gloves. It was it was fielding percentage and errors is what people used to go at. But people realized, well, Cheater, the reason he didn't have any errors is because he never got to a ball. You know what I mean? He never made an attempt at the play in the first place, so everything was safe for him. It would just be whatever was hit basically in his very general direction. While a Cabrian Hayes, sure, he might have some errors, but the fact that he made it over to the ball and dove or did whatever shows a lot. Jeter wasn't necessarily doing that. So that's just one example. And again, there's there's a lot of levels to this, but that's just kind of how I, how I view it. So while Cabrian Hayes, yes, I would have loved to see Manny Machado get his gold glove. It's okay, guys. It's okay. And frankly, if I'm being honest, it's not like I've been in the in the biggest of moods lately to defend Manny Machado because, man, his season was disappointing after getting that extension. I mean, lordy, man, you really let us down this year. I think he's going to be better next year. At least, hopefully, he'll be better next year. But, um, yeah. And on top of that, again, I, I just want to give a shout-out to the folks over at Pittsburgh. Like, that team has been going through it for a while. I think it's cool. 
that they have a gold glove defender there. That dude is Andrelton Simmons, um, potentially better um, than Andrelton Simmons ever was. Uh, and Andrelton Simmons is like one of the great fielders of the 21st century. So Brian Hayes is one of those guys that like, if he was on a better team, I think he'd be talked about a little bit more. Um, but because he's on the Pirates and because he doesn't add as much offensively, um, he's not the best player in the world. Nico Horner, for example. Like, I think Nico Horner is basically a little bit similar. We're like a really good utility guy who's also not getting paid that much. He's kind of like the Cubs, Hassan Kim. Frankly, 4.7 F4 this year. He had a 102 WRC+, plus, so not as good as Hassan Kim in the batting department, but just really solid and might be getting a little bit better as time goes on. So Nico Horner is solid but, um, and better than a player like he, Brian Hayes, in my opinion. But, man, uh, the guy's a freak. So go look that up. And, again, don't be that mad. We still got Tatis, and we still got Hassan Kim. And, remember, there were good defenders all over the Padres this year. Trent Grisham was very good this year. Um, uh, 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 Xander Bogars was pretty all right. You had, somehow, Gary Sanchez not being that bad behind the plate. You had Jake Cronworth being really good. You still had... Hassan came all over the place. Yeah, Soto wasn't great. But for the most part, this is a really good defensive team. And that's something that hopefully we can carry into next year. And if they do get rid of Juan Soto, hopefully they replace him with a really good uh, defensive player. Or at least someone who isn't that bad defensively. Um, so again, I'm really thrilled. And I think you guys should be thrilled as well. Because... It was, especially in the case of Tatis, really unexpected. And Hassan Kim, it's about time, man. Love him so much. And I'm glad he's a Padre. And even if this is the last season for him, hey, I've enjoyed the ride while it lasted. And I think you guys have too. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, on tomorrow's episode, I don't know yet. Player review don't know what I'm doing just yet. I've got a lot of work that I'm finishing on the side as well, but we will be back tomorrow, potentially doing a player review. Uh, it might be a little bit later in the day, the podcast being uploaded, um, but also uh, more award stuff we're going to be talking about this week. I imagine we're going to get the Cy Young announcement, MVP stuff, Silver Slugger stuff. All that stuff should be announced. I can't wait for the Snell one. That should be a lot of fun. And look out. Subscribe to the show on YouTube because I'm going to try and do a live show where you guys could potentially tune in and send comments in the YouTube if you'd like. Go for it. I'll answer them live on the show as we talk about Blake Snell winning his Cy Young. That should be a lot of, lot of fun. That's what I'm going to do more uh, as the hot stove of the off season uh, gets lit every so often and whatnot. Um, and then also Armley and still trying to have him on the podcast at some point this week to talk about the Padres farm system, which is, man... It's, it's rising, folks. If there's one thing AJ Preller is good at, it's rekindling that farm system. So look forward to those episodes. But until next time, stay safe. And, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.